Right now, you might be fundraising for a program or a service. What would happen to your fundraising if you were raising support for a movement? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the Fundraising School, and I'm joined today by Jamie Levy, a longtime faculty member of the Fundraising School, who also leads his own national fundraising consulting firm and nonprofit leadership consulting firm, J.D. Levy and Associates. And Jamie, I know as you work with nonprofits across the country, you've identified this distinction of fundraising for a program or a service, which we teach somewhat at the Fundraising School in terms of making your case. There has to be a specific reason why you exist and what you're doing and the impact that you're having. But you encourage fundraisers to see this in an even broader landscape of being part of a movement. What do you mean by that and how can that help us fundraise? Great, excellent. Uh, when we think about a movement, there's really just some core fundamental elements to what is a movement. A movement is just simply a group action that's focused on a bigger cause that allows the ordinary person to participate in some way. Um, so movements are historic in the nonprofit sector. They're ultimately how in many cases the private sector started either through government failure because the government couldn't serve the needs of the median voter or through contract failure because the needs couldn't be monetized by a for-profit service. And so private nonprofits stepped into that space and created collective action for well-being in society. And typically when we think about movements, um, they're often very campaign um, structured, strategic with clear goals and objectives in them. Um, kind of in the post-industrial society, we've the idea of movement has moved into something that became much more fluid, um, much more continuous and multi-channel in, in recent decades with the onslaught of social media, et cetera. Um, but still focused on a collective action that allows the ordinary person to participate. Um, Forces for Good, which was a, a great research piece that came out um, in the earlier 2000s, they identified what were some of the key characteristics of some of the most impactful not-for-profit organizations in the history of the nonprofit sector, um, not dissimilar to what Jim Collins did with his work on Good to Great and Built to, um, Built to Last in mm -hmm. the 90s. Mm -hmm. and, one of the things that they identified was that the most effective and impactful nonprofit organizations were those that saw themselves as greater in picture than who they were. And success was not defined upon benchmarks internally, but they were defined upon the ultimate change that they were creating within society. Well, let's take a look at a for instance. Let's say that I'm a fundraiser for an after-school youth program, and I have a few hundred kids who come after school every day, and then we have special summer programs, and you know, we have bumper pool tables, and we have computer labs, and we have an art room, and they can glue their popsicle sticks together and make amazing things, maybe even a gymnasium where they can play floor hockey or shoot baskets. And these are the types of things I fundraise for, and I have these activities, and I notice the kids, and I'm measuring the life change in the kids, and that's all part of my case. How do I look at this as a movement, and how does that impact my fundraising? Good question. I think underneath that assumption, we st or the question, we still have the assumption that those things have value. Mm -hmm. And that ultimately, why we're then connecting people's values, as we teach in the fundraising school, to those items and how they're means to a greater cause. Um, Simon Sinek did a, a great research on understanding, and maybe you've heard of the Golden Circle where he really looked at part of the, uh, the underlying focus of what a movement-based company is, and he, he studied Apple in that process, and he came to what the, the golden circle, which is the why, what, how circle, and that organizations that were more transactional and service-focused um, were connecting people to the what and the how, but organizations that were more movement-based connected people to the why. Mm -hmm. And the, the question that I ask, you know, when we teach at the fundraising school, when we talk about the cases, I constantly ask people, what's the bottom line rung? Why do I care about kids coming into a tutoring program? Why do I care about whether confidence increases? Why do I care about food insecurity? 
those are simply the means to a greater end. I have to understand why those programs matter in order to connect someone's values around them. And so for someone who's fundraising for elements of the picture, it's so important that they take time and begin to ask the question of why does my program matter to society? Why does my program matter to the population that I serve? Um, it's always fascinating to me that, and as you know, Bill, in the fundraising school, we, we teach the case so often, but yet when we work with organizations and we review websites, we review collateral materials, the case is still one of the fundamentally most undeveloped components of an organization. Their case often ends up being about the what and the how, but I connect as a donor, my loyalty builds, I become a life advocate around the why not the what and the how. So fundraising is a management function. That goes back to our founder, Dr. Henry Rosso, who wanted to make sure that fundraising wasn't off to the side, an add-on, something we'll get to, but that we have a 14-stage fundraising planning process that we teach to really drive home the point that fundraising needs to be integrated throughout the internal management of the organization. Yes, we're not saying that that goes away, that your internal work remains essentially important. But donors want to know about the why, and we also teach about donor motivations. And you know, there are what nearly eight billion people on planet Earth, and they might have some similarities, but they might have some unique uh, distinctions and motivation of why they might want to support us. How does this focusing on the why tie into connecting with individual donors? So let's talk about individuals more than foundations mm -hmm. and corporations. How does this tie into what we teach about making sure we're aligning our relationship with this donor based on their why? as we think about our why in this broader sense that you're encouraging us to take? A really great question, Bill. If I'm focused with the donor on the why, then I begin to understand what their personal vision aspirations are and how we are part of that realization of their own value. When I'm focused on the donor at a, at a more transactional level, they may engage because the service we do makes them feel good, but it may not intrinsically fulfill them. And when we move into that place, you know, and there's a lot of research on this, but donor fatigue doesn't happen when I'm engaged around something that I love. It happens when I don't understand how I connect at the most intimate places. And whenever a donor begins to connect with the why, they begin to see themselves in the organization. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times in interviews that I've done with donors, I mean, literally tens of thousands of either interviews, surveys, or phone calls where we've interviewed donors on behalf of organizations in the last 18 years. And I've had donors would cry. I've had been yelled at. I've had donors hit the wall. I have donors throw chairs, and it wasn't Bobby Knight, because they were so upset that they felt that they were not in an, a connected relationship holistically with our client, that our clients viewed them as someone who was just on the boat because of they were doing something when our client and the service and the movement that they were a part of was fulfilling intrinsically part of who the donor was. You know, it sounds like when we talk about the what and the how, to use the cynic circle, um, that maybe is applying to our head. It's information, and we need to have that information, but the why sounds like it's touching my heart, my emotions, my motivation. Is that an accurate way to understand this? It connects this? them. Yeah. The, the why helps my head connect with my heart. And so is there one why that I communicate to all the donors? Is there a why that I then tailor and contextualize for each individual donor? Because each individual donor might have a different area of emphasis. It might be that I benefited when I was a child. Maybe my child benefited. Maybe I was that kid back in the day. Maybe it's religious faith. Maybe it's taxes. Maybe it's uh, wanting to be an example in my community, be in relationship with others. We could go on and on. Uh, do we tailor this why for each individual donor or is it the same why for all of my donors? 
it's both. Mm -hmm. We have to first understand the core of our own why as an organization, and then I have to be able to understand the donor and begin to segment constituencies. And obviously, for those listening that are in smaller organizations, this becomes much harder in a small shop organization than a larger organization, um, but we still have to make every effort we can to understand intrinsically at a constituent level what is the connection to our why. But I, I would take that back to the foundation, which is what we teach in the fundraising school. I have to first understand the fundamental why of our cause to even begin to know how to translate that into constituency segment relationships. And so often, organizations don't do that reflective homework to really truly understand their own why fundamentally as an organization that they can then begin to use as a platform for translation into those segmented constituencies. And Jamie, what you're teaching us today certainly sounds consistent with the definition from our founder, Dr. Henry Rosso, that fundraising is the gentle art of teaching the joy of giving. The art here is the why and understanding how the why connects to the donor. And it sounds to me as if they can absorb that why, if we communicate that well, it helps them experience the joy of giving. Absolutely correct, and, and the research bears that out. It, it's amazing, you know, we, the last 10 years in this field, we've seen so much research that has come out to the point of really becoming donor-centric, understanding the donor relationship, um, which is what we need to do. The, the beauty of that is that it's not new in the field. It's how we connect relationally as people. And now we understand at a deeper level that our organization and our causes are part of the fabric of relationship. So certainly continue to manage your fundraising shop well. Have your fundraising plan in place. Have those measurements. Hold each other accountable. Engage as many people as you can from your board and your staff and your volunteers and your donors and other constituents who can help you raise money. But do all of that enveloped in this why, the big picture that can connect with donors at a deeper level. You can learn about the art of fundraising in all of our courses, all 16 of our courses in 16 U.S. cities. We try to be about a four to five hour drive from everybody in the continental United States. And those uh, courses are listed in our course directory, either hard copy or online at our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the Fundraising School. And you'll also on our website find out about our quarterly webinars, these weekly podcasts, and also custom training that can come to your organization, your community, your association, not just in the States, but anywhere around the world. And by the way, if you're enjoying these podcasts and you're doing so on iTunes, make sure you like us, put some stars on there, and that'll help spread this podcast to other nonprofit leaders around the world. I'm Bill Stanjakovich, and now you are now more up to date on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.